And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Growlin' Pointer Jr., Jay Morrison of The Athletic, coming to you here on Saturday morning. We just crossed over into Saturday morning after the uh, day two of the NFL draft concluded with the Bengals going defense, defense, defense again. A double, triple, triple, double. Yes. Uh, as for two years in a row now, the Bengals use each of their top three picks on the defensive side of the ball. This evening, with the second round pick, they selected DJ Turner, the second, a corner out of Michigan who played alongside Dax Hill there. Um, Dax Hill, very excited. Uh, those two linked up very quickly uh, on the phone afterwards uh, after he was selected. So they're excited to get that back together. We'll talk about that pick in a second. In the third round, they traded back a few spots, added pick 217, which is the last pick in the sixth round. So that gives them five selections coming up here on Saturday. Um, but with that pick, they said got the same guy they would have taken a few picks earlier. And that was safety from Alabama, Jordan Battle. Um, a pick that came out of left field a little bit, Jay, I think for a lot of people. And um, and so we, we want to talk through some of the dynamics of that, some of the fallout of that, because I think that felt like a spot where, OK, running back, tight end, wide receiver, maybe even an offensive lineman would start to come into play for them. But yet you see yet another piece on the defensive side of the ball. Um, it's. An interesting development, um, but one where, you know, this feels like Lou Anarumo joked with us on his way out at the end. I think I'm done. <laughs> you should be. How many? It's getting greedy. Eight out of the last nine total draft picks now have been on that side of the ball. And all of these top three rounds, I mean, the rebuild is complete. They have a very, very complete defensive roster right now ready to withstand 17 plus games yeah Lou's never going to go be a head coach if they're going to keep drafting defensive guys like this <laughs> I'm happy to stay here and be a defensive coordinator and it's it's technically it's nine out of ten you go back to the seventh round pick oh. of 2021 and Wyatt Hubert <laughs> I mean that's unreal nine of the last ten draft picks have been on the defensive side of the ball um it, it, it is amazing. And, the, you know, on the live room we did, I kind of posed the question, are we overlooking the safety? It, it, they have a lot of them, but you look at what they have there where 
Dax Hill's a bit of an unknown. He didn't play much last year. Tyson Anderson's a complete unknown. Didn't play at all last year. Nick Scott has played in the league, but he's new to this team. So uh, it, it, when they announced Jordan Battle, it was a surprise. And then they get up there and they explain why. And it's like, yeah, I, you get it. You you see the vision that they have here. And we talk all the time about premium positions. I mean, are what kind of running back or tight end, what kind of impact can a guy that you're going to take in the third round there make versus this guy and Jordan Battle who – can, can step in if need be, if there's any kind of attrition, even if the attrition is on the cornerback side of things, then Dax Hill could always move from safety to corner. And the other thing I think, you know, this was a Darren pick. It, Jordan no Battle played almost 800 snaps of special teams in college at Alabama as a basically a four-year starter. He took over the starting job as a freshman and a guy like that high character guy and he's still willing to to go out there and play special teams and the coaches said they had to fight to get him off the field after practice every day he just constantly wanted to be out there checks every box that the Bengals love there were three captains on the Alabama football team (laughs) last year Bryce Young number one overall pick Will Anderson uh, number three overall pick this year yep and Jordan Battle Um, if that tells you a little bit about the respect level had. I mean, that was what was opened with in discussing him. A plus character went to St. Thomas Aquinas, which is, you know, the biggest high school in the country as far as bringing in big stars. Was willing, wanted to go in there, wanted to compete big time, big time player, big time program. Go wants to go to Alabama, goes in there, competes, plays core special teams, starts 37 games, plays in all 54, doesn't miss a game, can't get him off the practice field, becomes a captain with two of the best players in the recent history of the program. I mean, it is Bengals' prototype personality. Um, Is the position a perfect fit? Um, Not necessarily, but here's the thing about that. Is is any position that they would have taken there, you're talking about a player who is not a starter. I mean, they, they have it. They're not looking to find a start. They don't have any starting positions necessarily available. You could discuss running back in some capacity, but even the running back you like the most, uh, at 95 overall, um, is not going to come in and probably be an immediate starter. You'd hope that he'd develop in that the same way where any of these guys you're taking, you hope they develop into something down the line. So this was a Duke Tobin stay true to the board. Mm-hmm. pick this was a this is the highest guy graded he's a player who can come in and bring you something on teams be uh a backup in a room that has a lot of uncertainty like you said what do we know about dax hill doesn't have a safety start in his career fast look for <laughs> all signs were great like yeah. i think there's plenty of reason to yeah. believe but there's no proof of concept there yet what do we know about Nick Scott? Really liked him. Mm-hmm. Worked his way up with the Rams. It, it, it's hard to know for sure. What do we know about Tyson Anderson? Zilch. Yeah. Zilch. Fifth round pick for Toledo. Spent all of last year on IR with the world's worst hamstring injury. And <laughs> we don't know what he's going to look like. Total unknown. Mike Thomas is here. He, they better not take Mike Thomas. Don't no. take Uncle Mike from us. He's too valuable on special teams. That's 
No, He's I, more of a special teams guy than a safety. But my point is, I mean, they Mike, Mike, Uncle Mike could get pushed out the door mm-hmm. just like anybody else. He could go to the practice squad and be veteran on the practice squad, where he can still be in the room, still be the culture guy, yeah. and and now be fifth. And, and so the point is, there's a lot of unknowns there, um, and so there's plenty of opportunity for Jordan Battle to come in and be more than that quickly, or or any of these guys to get hurt, and you and you and you need a player. I think the the bigger point is like. When I went through that too deep, and you look at this defense now, I'm going to run down the names. People know them. Trey Hendrickson, DJ Reader, BJ Hill, Sam Hubbard, Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt, Mike Hilton, Cam Taylor-Britt, Cheetah Bay Wouzier, Dax Hill, and Nick Scott. All of these players outside of Cam Taylor-Britt and Dax Hill are at least on the fourth year of their deal. Most of them, fourth year in the league, most of them, Further into that, none of them older than 30. Mm-hmm. Prime veterans. Prime veterans for almost all of your starters outside of dude you took in the first and second round last year that have to play. The backups, the vast majority, all in the first two or three years of their deals. Five backups. Backups. Not the guys I just mentioned, which included – Cam Taylor Britton, Dax Hill, who were in the first five backups are selections in the first three round of the draft that are on their rookie deals right now. Dudes that should play dudes with talent guys who are expected to make big impacts are scattered across your entire defensive depth chart. That is a team built to win in January. Right. When, Things fall apart when guys go down, when you need to start moving pieces around and the versatility is notable there. Everybody is a, is a high traits athlete. It seems um, that's a complete structure. That's what you want. I asked Lou Ranarumo about, you know, liking the idea of all these young guys being in here together and kind of growing their own little personality. And he pointed out what I just mentioned that maybe would be a problem if you had nothing but young guys. He said, but the fact that you have these these leaders, veterans, which he called maybe he thinks the best in the league in that regard, at every position, in every every starting spot almost, with a young guy to mentor and, and maybe maybe compete and take the job behind him is the ideal structure for defense. I think what they have right now is exactly how you would draw it up. It's taken a couple of years to complete the process, but this is exactly how you draw it up to for, have a defense ready to win over the long haul of a season. And he said it, it, that structure, he said, it's great for us. It's great for them to have those young guys come in. They don't have that pressure where they, they have to be thrown in right away. They can learn from some of the best leaders in the game, obviously great players. Um, it is, it's, it's, it. Okay. Here are some games on the app store. <laughs> the, the, uh, <laughs> my watch just started talking to me. It's so late that my watch is like, this is the time. You've you been working to, too long. You need to play you, some you, games. You need to play a game. I'm going to just give you some out of nowhere. Go ahead. Continue. <laughs> no, I mean, you think about it, it. The defense has really carried this team on those postseason runs. Yes. I mean, you, yeah, as disappointing as that, that loss to the Chiefs was – in the AFC Championship game, you hold that team to 23 points. You, you, you like your chances there, and, and they just keep adding on to that that defense. And 
the continuity with Lou, all the assistant coaches, the way it's structured. It, 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 it goes back to what Zach said last night where the, the Miles Murphy pick, this is for now and later. And it's almost like every pick they've made is that in that same vein where these, these, these guys, it, it's to build the culture and the, the depth of the roster right now. But then also you are set up. If there's an injury week two, week three, these guys slide in. If not, they learn, they grow, the veterans move on once they cross 30, their contracts end, and you've just got this natural turnover ready to happen. Stack your roster with great players. Yeah. Pretty it, simple. It, worry about specific, you know, depth fits and that you feel like you need in, uh, later. In, in the early rounds, stack your roster with as many great players as you can. This was Duke Tobin's strategy, um, you know, when they had the long run of success Earlier last decade, we saw A.J. Green tonight make the second pick. He was kind of at the beginning of that part where once they established themselves, they got a really deep roster and they just kept they kept dra- drafting, you know, for guys that came in with smaller roles as rookies. So there wasn't too much pressure. They could take their time learning and, and many of them developed into stars. And, they, and, and you ended up with really deep rosters. It's how you sustain. It's how you draft for sustained success is allow those guys to fill in naturally and not – all of a sudden have guys that have to come in and play right away. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 
I want to talk about DJ Turner real quick, and then I want to talk about what was left on the bone out here today, which was, oh, by the way, still haven't seen an offensive coach uh, come down to talk to us in a couple of years now on the draft weekend. So there's a lot of talk on the offensive side of the ball, but I do want to talk about Turner, a guy that, you know, I left out of a lot of our big boards because of his size. You know, Mm -hmm. we sort of, we know what Lou Anarumo doesn't like. He doesn't like small. And you, that's Turner is on the smaller side. He has shorter arms. Now we're not talking uh, Roger McCreary, Marcus Jones, and he, uh, 28. And he means yeah. it's shorter than some, than, than probably what you'd like, but fine. But he's smaller. I mean, they, they list him here on his little bio as six foot 180, but we know to, to the real, I mean, it's, he's even a, a little smaller than that. 511 and, 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 and just a shorter guy that he's going to need to put on some weight. The, the thing that, you know, you're picking at 60, so there's going to be something there. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're not getting a perfectly polished product. What they are getting. And they said, look, we can put weight on him. I can't put. A four two on anybody. Yeah. This dude was the fastest guy in the draft. Four two six at the combine. His and it's not a. It's not. A, he's not timed fast. He you see it on tape. He plays fast. Mm-hmm. His change of direction is fast. He's a freak athlete. Dane Brugler had him at forty two overall on his board. You know the small. He's also. We talked a lot about willingness. In the draft process, he may be small, but he's willing. He's in there trying to get physical. He's trying to tackle. He's make trying to make plays. Um, doesn't have to play right away. This is exactly what we said it would be, Jay. They're looking for Cam Taylor Britt part two. Doesn't have to play right away. Can come in and compete. If anything happens, if Cheeto's slow to get started or coming off the ACL, yeah. you have an insurance policy to give him more time. If Cam Taylor Britt regresses, you have somebody who can come in there. He, they think he's got versatility to kick inside and play nickel. Um, they're going to start him an outside corner, but he could kick and sign and play nickel. You've got his buddy Dax Hill, who's going to be yeah. coming there playing together with him. That communication is there. There's a comfort level for both of them, both versatile pieces that moved around in that Michigan uh, defense. You know, just freaky athletes, super fast, versatility pieces. Um, all of that allowed Lou to overcome something that I didn't think he would necessarily want to in, in taking Turner. But, you know, the corner, I mean, corner edge, this was this was uh, to the plan. This yeah. was the plan. It was The order was maybe switched, but it was kind of depending on how the first round would break. Uh, but I think they feel really good about getting a guy like Turner at that spot and, and, and have critical depth uh, at the corner position. You know, we did the, the trends podcast and we did the trends mock draft and and maybe – lean too much into the trends because you're right. It's his size isn't ideal for what a a Lou Anarumo DB is and and particularly the arm length. And it's kind of like 31 inches is a line of demarcation for, for Lou and those guys. And he's at, he's at 30 and three quarters. Yeah. 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 And when you're back shows up in makeup, recovery, uh, and trying to catch back up if, if you do get beat. And when you're that freaking fast. Your recovery's not an issue. Yeah. The recovery <laughs> doesn't matter. You're going to get your arm in there. And it, the the half, the quarter inch is not going to be a big deal. Um, so that, that I I don't know. I, I, I feel like maybe we did overlook him too much because of the leaning into the trends and well and it was just i mean he is small on top of yes that. i mean and but we, you but know, so we, forbes. we, we talked to, forbes. we talked about the forbes thing yeah. but and i, I totally totally agree with you and that's that's certainly possible and that's but the point was they wanted a corner they felt like it was a deep corner class 
It was. It proved to be. It sat pretty well for them when they when they came up at sixty to have a really nice corner there. There was a couple actually uh, on the board, and, and they, they end up going with with Turner. Um, so there's that piece. Let's talk about the offense because and that this is basically kind of. Um, oh, by the way, I do I do have a great piece uh, from the Athletic Football Show um, with Nate Tice. Deontay Lee, who, you know, does fantastic work for us, but he really has a strong specialty in the defense side of the ball. Uh, and Robert Mays, that they recorded a couple of weeks ago on a defensive line show. They had a great conversation about Miles Murphy that I think will really help people uh, to understand a little bit of, of who Miles Murphy is and how he's viewed as a player. I think there's a lot of people kind of wondering and trying to give comps and things. I thought this was a re- it was a really good conversation with them. I'm going to drop that on the back end of this episode. So don't go anywhere. I know you're going to listen about tomorrow, but don't go anywhere because I want to make sure you get a chance to listen to that at the end of this episode. Let's talk about offense. So, you know, there was the possibility to go running back, to go receiver, um, to go tight end. Uh, and, and to go O line in it, you know with, it, with that second, I think we thought they were pretty set. If there was a, one of the strong corners there, that that's probably where they would end up landing with that second round pick. It, it felt right. The third round pick, you know, you, you saw the tight end got the tight ends got decimated. They went off fast. Laporta went off immediately. Head of Mayor, who and Mayor went off pretty soon after that. Um, you know. Tucker Craft made it into the third round, but didn't make it to the Bengals pick uh, later in the third round. You, you had a bunch of guys who it, it are developmental picks. No, nobody that was available at the end of this third round in the tight end room was someone who's going to show up. There's anything other than they're, they're going to need a year, you know, to really get developed and figure something out. So at that point, you kind of kick the tight end thing down the line. It didn't didn't work out for you there. They didn't they didn't get the run. They prioritized other things, more premium position with the second round pick. The running back discussion I think gets interesting. We were kind of feeling like they would want to wait a deep running running back class that's still sitting out there. A lot of guys are still sitting out there at running back. Um Including you know, Roshan Johnson's a favorite, um, Chase Brown out of Illinois. Um, Israel, Izzy yep. Izzy still out there from Pitt. You know, there's still there's a lot there's a lot of running back. You see that big middle is still sitting there, and I think there's a, a thought that they can still maybe get that at some point down the line. Uh, I think receiver was the one that that maybe made the most sense. For me to try to go after there um, at with that ninety five pick, and I think they were interested in a few, and, it may, and maybe there'll be some slides. Uh, but inevitably, it ended up being taking the, the higher graded player, and they passed on receiver. It, it those are critical roles too that have just kind of been left open and are now just sitting there, and you know that's a tough spot that they may have to go dip back out into the free agent market and try to figure something else out uh, as, as this goes, this goes by. It's interesting because what, if you're going into the free agent market, yes, what, what wide receiver is not going to want to have a chance to come and play with, with Joe Burrow, but what wide receiver is going to want to come when you have a starting three, like the Bengals have. Mm -hmm. So that will be a little tricky. I, I wonder, you know, how much of it, 
was the fact that they feel really good about the pool of receivers still out there versus what you said before, where it just staying true to the board. And it's it, with, with Jordan Battle, it's not like the Bengals had him valued higher than anybody else. I mean, he was right there. Dane had him at 89, and he goes off at 95. It was right kind of where, you know, you at least Dane thought he would be. I don't know what everybody else's big board looked like, but there are – I mean, there's still – tight end is thin, but there's still good options at running back. There's still good options at wide receiver – and even at tight end, if you're talking developmental, that right at the top of that list, if you're talking character guy and all the things they love, Josh Wiley, the local Cincinnati product. So it, it'll be interesting to see what, what do you think, run pass or boot? What's the first offensive position they, they uh, target tomorrow? Is it wide receiver? Is it tight end? I'm going to say receiver. Running. Yeah. Um, I, I, look, I, and I don't know which one. What it is, I mean, look, they spent two days with the kid from Princeton, uh, Andre Osivas. I, I don't know if I got that right. Um, and you know, Tyler Scott is is intriguing to still be out there. Yeah. Um, there's, there's, I mentioned, you know, when I was talking, we we talked about Xavier Hutchinson when we talked about the Tyler Boyd comps, a guy with high volume at Iowa State, big slot but can do multiple positions. I think a, you could, somebody you could see them really, really liking um, that all there's, I just think there's names out there that make sense and I could see them going there next. They obviously would like somebody with returnability too, but you know, who, who knows that I've, there, there's a, there's a bunch of those receivers that are there. I, you know, I, I think if, if Roshan Johnson, I don't know that he's going to make it to one thirty one. I mean, it's a long. That's a long way for him to fall because the running back. There was already a little bit of a run at running back. We saw some of those. But I think so. It's just a matter of what people value and and what people want. But I mean, there's there's a lot of names that we've mentioned along this way that are out there. They did add a six round pick, mm-hmm. so you can you know maybe a double up comes out of that. But with five selections tomorrow, so I, I guess my answer to that would be. Um, receiver and then running back, then tight end. Yeah. Uh, just because I, I just, I think the tight ends are a little bit of a wash right now where you're going to probably get a, the same amount of developmental prospect in the fifth or sixth as you would in the fourth. Yeah. It just, it, I don't know. It, you still don't know the dynamics of, of the Joe Mixon and the pay cut request and all that, but it just, it feels like things are a lot more positive with him being here for the voluntary stuff. And just the, the pool of running backs that are out there, it just doesn't seem as urgent. Whereas, as you mentioned last year, no wide receiver drafted. Now this year for the first three rounds, no wide receiver drafted. It, it, that almost feels more likely now to be the double-up position is, is wide receiver. At, at this point, maybe maybe it's two running backs. I don't think it'll be a two tight ends at this point. They have Sample. They have Herb Smith. Um, but, I mean, the – you said it. They've got there's bigger guys at wide receivers. There's there's all the little slot guys. Not all of them, but there's a lot of little slot guys out there too. If you're talking about the Tyler Boyd succession, um, so I, I do. I, I think receiver is the more likely fourth round pick. But who knows? I mean, it, it could be a crazy run in the fourth round, and a, it's a bunch of receivers going off the board. You know, and a, a wild card question to ask here is how much does one season of 
DeAndre Swift cost and trade. Yeah. I mean, the Bengals have a spot. They have an opening. And DeAndre Swift's out here, got one year left on his contract uh, in Detroit. He he wants out after they take Jameer Gibbs because they, you know, they, they're pretty low there. They paid David Montgomery. Uh, so, million, yeah. it, you know, you got one year on a rookie deal there, DeAndre Swift. What would that take and would it be worth it? Would, it, would you rather expend a, I don't know, fifth or sixth round pick on trading for DeAndre Swift? Um, or would you rather use it on a Eric Gray or Kenny McIntosh or and insert any number of available running backs here? I don't know. I think I might take one year of DeAndre Swift. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that's that's another. I think they're gonna. It's, you're gonna have to look to get creative right now to figure out what's going on at that position. And the Lions have been loading up on picks. So how? I mean, they're not going to turn down another pick, but. How interested are they going to be to add yet another pick? But how many running backs can you have, too? I mean, we see the Eagles do that, where they just load up that backfield and rotate through guys. But And then, and then the, the Jonah piece, too, is, is that still in play anywhere where I don't know if you get a tackle at this point where you're, you feel super comfortable all of a sudden to say, hey, let's, let's trade Jonah. But there, there's a lot of moving pieces that – that can affect what happens. Do, are they the five picks that they're scheduled to make tomorrow? Do they make those five picks? Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out. I, I do think, you know what? The, the one interesting one was, uh, at the time he uh, he never ended up going. Did he? Yeah. I never saw the, I didn't see the last few picks of the round because we went right into interviews. Um, but I don't think he ended up going and you end up, I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, he's still out there. I, I don't know what's going on there. I really don't. Um, I really thought maybe he would be. I mean, he could still be the pick. Maybe he's somebody. 10 out of 11. I mean, at this point, talk about checking every box. It's the yeah. only one that's maybe left. Zach Carter feeling like a little bit of a winner right now, mm-hmm. uh, who gets kind of the investment in his year two uh, by them not going for three technique um, there. So, yeah, they're – who knows? Maybe they do go back on defense again and just keep it on rolling. But it does feel like I wouldn't be surprised if we saw five offensive players yeah. or four offensive and a specialist, specialist. Yeah. or you know, count a quarterback. Maybe yeah. that feels like maybe it's a DTR pick um, with from UCLA. So potentially a lot of things to watch tomorrow. Uh, we'll have a wrap up for you from uh, tomorrow evening. Then it'll all be over. A reminder that we have the, live show at 50 West on Tuesday night with Mike Potts, Bengals director of college scouting. You've seen the draft for two days. You've got questions. Mm-hmm. So you can bring those down there and, uh, and we'll be talking to him about their path to this draft. Um, all right. I want to bring you that interview, the, the conversation uh, with, it was Nate Tice, Deontay Lee and Robert Mays from the athletic football show a couple weeks ago, discussing Miles Murphy, the Bengals' first-round pick. Uh, have a good night, everyone, and enjoy this conversation. Deontay, where are you at with Miles Murphy, star starter? I've been clutching onto this stock all year long, <laughs> and I won't let go. Um, if I'm going to say star potential, we'll be modest. I still, We're still talking, I think, 15%-ish range, maybe 20% if it all happens, You know, if it all comes together for him. 
but he's gonna he's another high percentage starter guy. Like to me, this is another guy that's in that 65-70% starter hit rate. You're going to get real power on the edge. When we talk about all the get-off problems you have with Tyree, none of that exists with Miles Murphy. In fact, he gets off the ball so well, it's almost like Aiden Hutchinson last year. Where it's like, how much of this is speed and how much of this is you just timing up snap counts? It up. You know, like there there is a certain degree of that. Gaming the system know. a little bit. And then he goes out and he runs I like... Will, I will say... He had he had a one five nine ten yards and, a, and I think a four five one forty oh. at like two hundred and seventy oh, yeah. pounds. Yeah, hit a big yes. guy. So when he opens it up, there's real speed there, and that that to me is like okay. I, for what we were just talking about with Nolan Smith is like a high effort guy, but he's maybe a little small. We're talking about another explosive, twitchy athlete. Whether or not you get a lot out of him as a pass rusher, I think again is up to what you think about power rushers. But he's going to be a good run defender. And again, back to that 4-3 defense within that archetype. Like I've been looking at a 6'5", 275-pound edge, rush, edge rusher with speed and long arms working the NFL from the day I was born. <laughs> yes. That, yeah. Yeah. that archetype has lasted as long as it has for a reason. And he checks all the boxes. You know, when you're just talking about blind test taste, uh, yep. taste test, you know, that's what he is. You turn on the tape, you see him win, really more kind of cleanup rushes. If he gets a beat on you, if the get-off works, he can definitely turn a corner. You're not getting binned. You're really not getting some of the inside counters that you'd like to have, you know, that would separate a guy of his stature from what you see out of a Miles Garrett as a top-end pass rush, right? Yeah. A guy who has all the tools. He's not there. He's definitely a step behind. But as a secondary rusher, I'm taking a flyer on this because if it all works, there could be a 10-sack guy in there um, for multiple years. Yeah. This is, uh, I mean, this guy just looks like a tradition. Even this is back before edge was the term. This guy's right. a defensive end. Like yep. this is a traditional <laughs> defensive end through and through. Um, man, the guy that salivating. Why, oh, watching I, this guy, <laughs> dude. Speaking of the Bucks, the guy that this guy reminds me of is every DN the Bucks have had from the last yes. like decade. Like Jason Pierre-Paul and William Golston. This is what this guy looks like and plays like. He's like in between those two, like as far as maybe talent level. But man, just gets his hands on balls for PBUs. He's a sound tackler. He has that. I, I, I'm with you. I have a low, pretty low star percentage. I think I did. Yeah, I did five percent star, but high, high, high starter percentage yep. with this guy. And because I just see that he does his job, and sometimes that's not always sexy, but he does his job and doesn't sometimes flash like maybe these other guys, but doesn't always show off those gifts like he tested to. Like he doesn't have that true, true bend that Jason Pierre-Paul had. But there's so much to his game where he gets his hand on the ball, get pushes the pocket, uses his length does enough in the run game, does enough against the pass that I really like it. Like there's a lot of times where he's set in the edge and the running back has to bounce something because uh, he's pushing the tight end or a tackle back and the running back has to go off his, his path. And that matters. Those are the in-between plays that don't always show up in the box score. So and like as a second half of the first round, early, early first half of the second round type guy, I like him a lot. Uh, just a, like a fine player that checks a lot of boxes that still has a little bit of upside to maybe tap into. Um, but yeah, his test, he doesn't always test or play to his testing numbers, but you can see the traits when you watch him. The only, uh, my question with him, Deontay, looking at the production this year, if you look at these top six guys that we're going to talk about, all of them were at least in the top 
25 to 30 in all of the advanced pass rush metrics. If you look at the PFF numbers, he was 101st of 199 power five defensive ends in pass rush win rate and 137th in pass rush productivity. How do you square that with a relatively optimistic viewpoint on him? This is where when I say I'm clutching onto the stock, it really comes back to that get off the speed that I know that he has. And I, and he does have legitimate pro level arm length and he can convert speed to power. We just don't, I think if he's in a situation like Lucas Van Ness, where I get to be a three technique on third downs, then I do think that we see those numbers go up a bit. Um, I, I think that. With him, that's been the hardest thing to square is like, what does that project to in the, at the NFL level? And it might mean that he's not going to be a high number of sack guy. I just think mm-hmm. as a secondary rusher, as a power rusher, pocket crusher type, I can still see the picture of that working. And if it's not that, then maybe he's not a top half of the first round pick like I think he can be. But if you get him in the 20s to 30s, maybe into the 40s if he does slide you're going to get a plus run defender uh, I, I think that the best way I can describe him is if you watch this film as a pro scouting guy he may never get a plus plus on a play but he'll almost never have a negative you'll almost, right. ne- yep. you'll almost never negatively grade this guy Dude, that's exactly how I kind of graded him. Like, we even just my notes right here. I was like, he just doesn't have bad plays, even if he doesn't have the flash plays. Yeah. And, and sometimes it seems to me maybe his play recognition is a step slow and he'll stop his say, feet. Yes. And so I don't know what that sometimes that's how that's it, kind of coached where they're like, hey, read and react. And it's like, oh, well, let's go. <laughs> yeah. No, go, go, go. Make a mistake. Make it fast. Um, I know you guys have to be gap sound on defense over there, but it, that's just, <laughs> just me watching as an offensive guy. But sometimes he doesn't have that plan and doesn't unlock himself. But then yes. there's times that he does and you're like, oh, there it is. There, Yes, that, that, there it is. Another guy that grew on me the more I watch him. So I understand why Deontay has optimistic views of him because it's like one of those guys you watch maybe a half and you're like "Eh, okay you know fine Mm -hmm. i understand because of the traits and then you watch two games of them three games of them he grows on you because like you said there's not a lot of bad plays which matters (laughs) if you're on the field for 40 snaps and 30 of them are fine and 10 of them are winning plays well that's a positive player right there that that's That's the type of player he is that's a starter 